0: Hi, my name is Joshua Potter, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sioux City First Church. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for taking time to listen to our message this week. I pray that you find it meaningful and life-giving. As you listen, make sure that you take some time to allow God to speak to you and, and just to encourage your heart. We hope to see you soon in person, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. It is going to be a beautiful day outside. It's already beautiful. It's good to see all your beautiful faces here today. Uh, This week we celebrated Valentine's Day. And so I got to see some of your beautiful faces. I got to see you out doing your thing, taking pictures, eating food together. I've been with my sweetheart for the last 17, you know, all these different lovey-dovey posts you post on Facebook. Uh, Valentine's Day. It got wild at the Potter House on Valentine's Day. We uh, we got home. Melissa worked that day, and then uh, I hurried and made my mom's my my mom's tacos. We call them Grandma's tacos. They're homemade tacos. So I made those for the family. But Melissa and Alora had to run quickly because Alora was trying out for something at uh, the community theater. And so uh, they were they ate a taco and then they ran. And uh, went out there, and they were gone for almost three hours, and so that was our Valentine's Day. So I spent time with Lucas and Allie, played a little bit of Fortnite, just had fun with them. And uh, that's what happens when you have kids, and it's Valentine's Day. And uh, we gave each other cards after the kids went to bed. And, uh, but. Sometimes, some of the most meaningful things you can do maybe not happen on an anniversary or on a Valentine's Day or some of those things. We went to lunch on Tuesday, just got to sit together and enjoy being together for lunch. Uh, Melissa was off that day, and we just got to go and, and have a conversation and not have to think about all the other things happening around us, but just get to enjoy lunch with one another, and that's sometimes what it just looks like. But with valentine 's Day, one of the greatest gifts to us I believe that God gave us were one of the greatest gifts is memes on the internet and So I wanted to share a few marriage memes with you today because uh, I think it 's it's just good to laugh at ourselves every once in a while and so uh, here's a few statements. I asked some people for some of these. I had a couple of my own that I wanted to share from, from, uh, others that I've seen before. And so let's just kind of start a little lighthearted this morning with some marriage meme quotes. This first one, this one hits a little close to home. If you know, my wife it says marriage is when you gasp, when your husband is driving as he gets, as he, man, this is terrible. Marriage is where you gasp when your husband is driving and he gets super annoyed over and over until you die. Okay, that is what... I recently rode in a car with my mother and it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. Anything you do, she gasped. You turn a corner, you would think you were going 700 miles per hour with this lady. We pulled into my garage and she thought that we were going to drive the car through the garage. I'm like, I'm pulling in the... Anyway... So I hope that I don't have to look forward to that here in 20, 30 years. Anyway, the next one. Here's another one. Marriage is just texting each other memes from different rooms. Amen to that one. We take it next level in the Potter household. We don't even have to be in different rooms and we text each other memes and we just laugh at them. Okay, here's another one. The wife says, you told me you would spend the rest of your life trying to make me happy. And the husband responds, I didn't expect you to live this long. Ooh, yikes. Okay, here's the next one. Behind every angry woman stands a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. All of the men would say amen, but they don't want to get in trouble later. Okay, here's a cute one. Marriage is like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park, if you've ever seen those movies before. Okay, here's the last one, and this one stung a little bit. My wife is so much better looking than me. Our cashier put a plastic divider down in the middle of our groceries. We're shopping at a different grocery store now. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Marriage is something that God gives us as a gift. And he uses it to shape us and form us into the people that he wants us to be. This month we've been doing a series called Under... uh, We've been doing a series here called It Starts at Home. And it's all about... What happens at home and the importance of home. We spend so much time uh, with our families, with our loved ones in those places, and especially formative years with our kids and the importance of what happens there. So we've, we've been talking a little bit. We started out talking about parenting and we, with this thought that what happens in your home is more important than what happens anywhere else. While I think it's important to bring your kids to church, you're here for an hour and a half, what you do the other 166 and a half hours with your children, reinforcing what they learn here is important. Last week, we talked about conflict. Some of you love conflict. Some of you hate conflict. But here's what we, the idea last week was the climate of your relationships improves when conflict is resolved, not ignored. This week we're going to be talking about marriage. And here's what we believe here. We believe that marriage was designed by God. The culture and world we live in right now is constantly trying to redesign, or excuse me, redefine what God has already created and established. And we live in a culture now that says marriage can be anything. To the point now where Some people believe you can be married to an animal. So we're living in some pretty wild times and God wants us to have an understanding of what marriage is. And he lays it out in scripture and so we're going to look at some of those things. But I don't know about you, before I was married and I've talked to people, that they think that if I could just get married, that marriage would solve my problems. I've got some news for you this morning. Marriage doesn't solve your problems. Marriage magnifies the problems that you already have. One of the greatest ways to know just how selfish you are is to get married. Add a thousand other adjectives there that you could, could do. But, but here's what I've learned in ministry and here's what I've, I've noticed the older that I get. And as I think about people who are married and people who are in healthy marriages and unhealthy marriages, here's something I want us just to be thinking about this morning is that it's better to be single wishing you were married than married wishing you were single. There are a lot of people who are married to someone, and it could be a domestic, domestic issues. It could be they just married a person and they're just not happy for whatever reason. They, they fell out of love. All those different things that we hear from time to time. But it's always better to be single wishing you were married. There uh, there are some times where people will be married for 20, 30 years. This is the saddest for me. When people are married for long periods of time and then their kids grow up and their kids move out of the house, they find themselves empty nesters, they look across the table and they're like, who are you again? (laughs) Because their kids' lives became the priority rather than their marriage remaining a priority through raising kids. I want us also to ponder the idea that Satan didn't attack Adam before Eve was created. That's not an indictment on Eve. That's an indictment on Satan, the devil, our enemy, who does everything that he can do to divide and destroy every relationship possible between spouses, between family members, between friends, between you and your boss, between everyone. The devil's DNA is division, And so I want to encourage you today, when we stir up division and divisiveness, we're probably not being used by God in that moment. But here's what Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 4, regarding marriage. Just the beginning of the verse, it says, marriage should be honored by all. I know some of you in here are, are are not married. Whether you've been, you're single, or you're single again, or you're you're widowed, you, you you can still tune in. Don't just disengage because we're talking about marriage. Because marriage should be honored by all, and God uses all of us. As the church body to spur one another and to help one another along. Just as single people can help married people, married people can help single people. We can all help each other. And, and the Bible gives us really kind of these metaphors and, and even described as mysteries we see in Scripture about marriage. And so we're going to look at some of those this morning. What marriage represents in Scripture? Okay. So the first thing we're going to look at in scripture is that marriage represents the image of God. I want us to think for just a second. Images are reflections of of what we were created to be reflections of God here on this earth. We were created to be signposts pointing people to God. We're supposed to be mirrors displaying who God is to the world. So when people look at you, when people look at me, when people look at our marriages, they should see aspects of God because we're created in the image of God. Men are created in the image of God and women are created in the image of God. And together we we can provide a a little bit more of a fuller picture of that image of God together. Matthew, beginning the creator made them male and female. Um, once again, culture tells us something very different about that. God created men and women. That's what he created. And then he said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh we go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 it says then God said let us make mankind other translations say humankind in our image in our likeness Genesis chapter 5 it goes on in, in, in the same theme it says when God created mankind or humankind he made them in the likeness of God he created them male and female and blessed them and he named them when they were created. So once again, you were made in the image of God. You were made to be a reflection of God. Your marriage is a reflection of God. When people look in at your marriage, they should be able to see different aspects of God. So you need to, we need to ask ourselves, do people see that? Do our kids see that? Do our friends see that when we're with them? So one of the things that marriage represents is the image of God. Another thing it represents is Christ and the church. The Bible tells us, if you have a Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Talks about this mystery here. It says, for this reason, talking about marriage, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united united." to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is the profound this is a profound mystery but i am talking about christ and the church how much christ loved the church however each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband now those are some interesting words there husband should love his wife Others say he should be willing to lay down his life for his wife, just as Christ laid down his life for us. And his wife should respect the husband. There was this book written, and every time I go through marriage classes with a couple, I, I always bring it up. It's a book called Love and Respect. The premise is out of this, the, the, this chapter right here. The idea is every woman wants to be loved and every man wants to be respected. And every time a woman doesn't feel love, they respond to their spouse without respect. And every time the man doesn't receive the respect, he responds without love. And then they get themselves on what's called the crazy cycle in the book. This is how we're created. Men and women were created, and they're different. And that's okay. Once again, the culture wrestles with this idea that men and women were created differently... And we can actually be a benefit to one another. We don't have to compete against one another. So your marriage is a reflection of God. You're giving a reflection of uh, of God when, when it comes to, I want you to think of, think of you and your, your spouse honoring one another, serving one another, loving one another, forgiving one another, One another. Think about what God has done for you. Think about what you can give to your spouse. Honor them, serve them, love them, forgive them. Here's a question that we need to think about. When you communicate with God, how you communicate with God. What's the gap between how you communicate with God and how you communicate with your spouse? We should try to shrink that gap as much as possible. One way that we, 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 marriage is represented in a beautiful way is when we speak to our spouse, not worshiping them, obviously, but honoring them in the way that they need to be honored. So, think of how you communicate. We're not comparing ourselves to God in any way shape or form, but the way that we communicate with one another is extremely important. Christ laid down his life for the church. We lay down our lives for one another. Another way that we see marriage representing uh, represented in scripture is through God's covenant. We live in a culture that's more contractual in nature. We live in a, a culture that's more transactional in nature. And so, when it comes to God's covenant, the people of God had been dishonoring God. And in Malachi chapter two, their faith, their family, their, their offerings, all of it was completely out of whack. And look what look what God says to them in Malachi chapter two through the prophet says, you, you ask why? God wasn't accepting their offerings. And here's what he said. You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. They weren't honoring their spouse. They weren't doing it the way that God had intended, the, the, the way that God designed marriage to be. And it was throwing their families off. It was throwing every part of their lives off. And he sends the prophet. They weren't honoring their spouse. They weren't doing it the way that God had intended, the, the, the way that God designed marriage to be. And it was throwing their families off. It was throwing every part of their lives off. And he sends the prophet to speak to them and said, this is why. Says you've been unfaithful to her. And that, another translation actually says you've dealt treacherously with her. Okay. That's not an affirmation. Hey, no wife is going to be like, thank you for dealing treacherously with me today. Okay. Nobody thinks... It's, you've been unfaithful, you've been, you you haven't been handling yourself in the way that you ought to be handling yourself. So here's typically how we handle things, and here's how we see things happen in the world. We see contract relationships, okay? In a contract, what do we do? We protect our rights. Have you ever heard of a prenup before? I'm going to protect my rights. I'm going to protect what I have so that if something doesn't work out, I'm protected, we protect our rights. We limit our responsibilities. If it doesn't work out, I don't want to be responsible to have to do this. That's what a, that's what a contract relationship, this is why so many, just candidly speaking, this is why so many, if you, if you see guys dragging their feet into a marriage, this is why, if you've been with someone for a long period of time, they probably see marriage from a contract perspective I'm going to protect my rights, and I'm going to limit my responsibilities. But in a covenant, it's much different. A covenant, you give up your rights. Doesn't that sound like a fun marriage? I'm giving up my rights. I'm getting in this thing. But that's what a covenant is. You enter into a covenant with one another. You give up your rights. Guess what? My bank account now is her bank account. We're together in this thing. We pick up the responsibilities that are in a covenant to to love and to to honor mutual submission to one another. That's what a a covenant is. Okay? So in the Bible, there are a couple different kinds of covenants. I just want to hit on this for just one second. In in the Bible, there's a bilateral covenant covenant. If you enter into a bilateral covenant in the Bible, I hold up my end of the deal, you hold up your end of the deal. If you don't hold yours up, I don't have to hold mine up. That's a lot what we see happening in relationships today and and, and how people view marriage. I'll marry you until I'm not happy anymore and then I'll find someone else. I'll marry you until whatever and then I'm gone. Okay, that's a bilateral covenant. God's... God's covenants are more unilateral in nature. Unilateral means it's an unconditional promise. What do we say when we get married to people? For richer, for poorer. I'll stay with you if you're rich. I'll stay with you if you're poor. Sickness and in health. Better or worse. And then we end it with what? Until death. Until death do us part. That's more of a unilateral covenant that we see. That's the kind of covenant God makes with his people. It's it's God, even when we fail, even when we miss the mark, he's committed to us. There's no one more committed to you than God. And he makes these covenants with his people and he he made his covenant with with the people in the Old Testament. He makes these covenants, we see it as this outdated language But I believe its current language with God is this unconditional love that he has, this promise that he has for each one of us. And we represent God to others when we act this way. When with my wife, Melissa, we have to have an unconditional promise type of marriage. It isn't a, I get what I want and if I don't get it then I don't have to hold up my end of the bargain. You have to be very careful to have that mentality. So marriage is better represented by a covenant than a contract in scripture. The importance of marriage, we see the importance of marriage all throughout scripture. So I want to encourage you, God's created it and God's defined it for us. Now, Some of you in here are not married, and some of you have kids that will one day be married, okay? Thankfully, God has promised us that he's coming back before our kids get married. Um, I'd like to think anyway, but here's, here's a couple thoughts. If you're single, you can think about this, but otherwise, think about this in the context of maybe the kind of people your children will marry one day. We need to we need to protect, we need to keep them away from people who are, who are bitter. And if you get into a relationship with someone who's bitter, get into an, a relationship with someone who is angry, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I can change them. Okay, there used to be a term when I was growing up, and uh, it's probably still there, but it was back in youth group, and we call it missionary dating. <laughs> the concept was, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to change this person with God's help. Very rarely does that ever work. It almost always goes the opposite direction. And the Christians completely give away their values in the relationship. So if they're angry before marriage, there's a good chance that anger might come into marriage too. If they're greedy, if nothing's ever enough, if you take her out to a nice restaurant and she's like, well, this isn't good enough for me. Or you do something. There are people who it is never enough for them. The new cars never enough. The new house is never enough. The new kitchen is never enough. The new sports thing is never enough. The new This works on both sides. People who it's never enough. They're never content. People who are selfish. If they're selfish before marriage, they're probably going to be selfish in marriage as well. These are things we need to be looking out for if, you, if you're dating or you, your children are dating people like this. They have addictive behaviors. How many, I'd say it's more so women than men, how many women are in relationships with men who have addictive behaviors and they thought they would be able to change them? I've gotten in abusive relationships with men because they thought they could change them and they're still twenty years in facing the same thing. I read this quote this week and I I thought it was powerful. It says, speaking of, of, of some of these things, it says, What you resent, you eventually resemble when we look out at people and we see things in their life and we become consumed by the things they do. Here's what I've seen happen in relationships. People who have been very, really upset with the spouse because they did X, Y, Z behavior. They get mad at that and that thing consumes them. And I've seen it happen. The very thing they hated in their spouse years later, they're doing the exact same thing. They gave their thought patterns to it. They were consumed by it. What you resent, you eventually resemble. So who should we look for? What should we look for in a spouse? What should we look for in the spouse of our children? We need to look for people who are are generous. They're giving people. They're willing to help other people out. They're willing to look beyond themselves. They're kind people. They treat people the way that they should be treated. They're honest people. They're trustworthy people. They're loyal people. These are the kind of things we should be looking for. This is a biggie for me. I think it's biggie in scripture too, is that they should share your values. And a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't know if she's I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but she said she would come to church with me. Make sure the people in your life share your values. Doesn't mean you agree on everything, okay? You all know me. I love sports. My wife does not like sports. She still loves me in spite of my sports loving. That doesn't mean she has to watch everything with me. If there was something really, really important to me and I said, Melissa, I know that you probably don't want to watch this Hawkeyes game right now. But if you would do it, I would really, really appreciate it. I believe that she would do that. Why? Because I've watched a lot of really stupid Hallmark movies over the years. (laughs) And she's watched a lot of sports highlights. And her her greatest thing is why are you watching highlights of a game that you just spent three hours watching? (laughs) It goes both ways. So even though you're different, you still share the same values. She loves the Lord. Like those things that are the most important things. I I said something earlier this week on on a Thursday Thoughts, and it's this idea that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Look around your life right now. Look at the relationships you have around you, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your, your family, your friends, the group of influence you have around you. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. I know some of you in this room, you know, just through talking with you and some of the things that you get to do in your life, you have some quality relationships in your life. You have friends who would do anything for you at any point in time. That adds quality of life. There are others, maybe you don't have as much of that in your life and you would like more. I would encourage you, invest in good relationships. Invest in good friendships. I'd also say this goes hand in hand with that. It's the quality of your relationship with God. So so that's a question I want to ask you today. What's the quality of your relationship with God right now? Not 20 years ago. I, just, I, I oftentimes people will ask me, hey, would you, do, would you be a job reference for me or things like that? And I'll get these things and they'll say, you strongly disagree or you strongly agree? Or on a scale of one to five or a scale of one to 10. So I want you to think in those terms this morning, what is the quality of your relationship with God? Because that does have, I believe, input into the relationships you have around you. But, but what I believe is, is it all comes back to What you're investing into. If you want a healthy marriage, you have to invest into a healthy marriage. If you want a healthy relationship with your kids, you have to invest time and energy. If you want healthy friendships, you have to invest into those things. And so that would be the question what are you investing into? how are you investing into your marriage? How are you investing into your children and grandchildren and the people around you? This morning, to end service, one of the things, the first week we we did the message, we prayed for the families of our church, and I wanted to take a moment to close service by praying for the marriages represented in our church. Pray for those even that aren't married here right now but that maybe want to be married again or those that aren't married maybe have no desire to be married. That's okay too. But we want to just take a moment to pray for marriages that at one point in time, I don't know how many years ago this was, marriage in Woodbury County, had we had one of the highest divorce rates in all of Iowa. Okay, We don't want that. We want to buck that trend. We want to have healthy marriages. So, what, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna ask my wife Melissa's gonna come up and she's gonna pray with us. She's gonna lead in prayer and then I'll finish in prayer. But I want you to stand with us as we close. If you can maybe throw on some music in the background for us as we pray. We're just gonna pray for your your marriage, pray for you. We'll be married for 15 years in April. We know marriage isn't easy. We have ups and downs, we have good days and bad days, just like you do. And one of the way one of the reasons why um, we have the marriage we do is because of prayer, praying for one another, putting each other first. So it takes a lot of effort in a marriage, and I think you all know that. And so what we want to do is we just want to take a moment to pray for you. So For those of you that might have your spouse close to you or next to you, I'd encourage you just to grab their hand while we pray. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can. Let's just take a moment. Melissa's gonna lead us in prayer and then I'll I'll pray uh, to close after she prays. But let's just go to the Lord and pray together with one another.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we spent time this morning uh, worshiping you, We sang to you, a good and holy God. God, during that time, it just reminds me in a good way, God, that you are holy and that inside of me is is sin. There is selfishness. There is a want to control. There is All kinds of things in me, God. That are seen, that are shown when I stand before a holy God. When I spend time with you as a holy God. And those are the very things that wreak havoc on my marriage, on my relationships around me. And so God, I pray... I just pray that we would fall more in love with you. That our relationship with you would just grow stronger, that it would grow deeper, that we would realize that, God, we have got to rely on you every step of the way. And it is only through that, God, that our marriages become whole. Our marriages become that which you intended them to be. It is only through that then, God, that our marriages can be seen by others and it can point to a good and holy God. Not that our marriages then become void of all problems, but God, it is in the midst of those hard times that we rely on you, that we we grow stronger. We grow stronger together. So I just pray for the marriages, for the, all the people out there. Again, those who, who may find themselves divorced, widowed, all of that, Lord. Those who are married and who are happy, but those who are married and, and are struggling. God, we're in this together. And the way forward is to get closer to you. It's to fix our relationship with you. It's to grow deeper and stronger in our love for you, God. Because then we change. And that's all we're responsible for. We're responsible for ourselves. And through that, Lord, then you change us to be able to be what we need in our relationships and in our marriage. So, God, I just thank you for being faithful to us, no matter how unfaithful we've been to you. God, I pray that we would leave this place again, not not disappointed, not feeling uh, terrible, not feeling hopeless, but God, you are the God that gives us hope that today is a new day, tomorrow is a new day, and none of them are lost. But I pray that we would just stand before a holy God and allow ourselves to be changed. To allow ourselves to grow to allow ourselves to fail and get back up again and we thank you for your constant unwavering love for us Lord
0: Lord I pray for every husband every wife every future husband and wife every former husband and wife in this room God I just pray that God as we Commit ourselves to strengthening our relationship with you. That it would be seen and felt and noticed in the relationships we have around us. I pray for every marriage, God, I pray that divorce wouldn't be a word that we we bring up. We wouldn't think about, we wouldn't go there, God, that we would be committed to one another just as you were committed to us. And God, I know there are hard relationships that we have, and as we seek you out and as we pray, God, I just pray that you would be with us in every decision and every trial and every test, God, that we know you are there. So I just lift up every every couple to you, every son or daughter that's looking on at the marriages in this room, every friend, every coworker that might be looking on at the marriages represented in this room that are part of FIRST, I pray they would see a reflection of a holy and beautiful God. We need your help though. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray together. So God, I just pray that you'd be with us as we we do that, Lord. Thank you for everyone represented in this room. Everyone is valuable. Relationship status regardless. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you that you gave your life for us. All that you've done for us so that we can live for you and others, Lord. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen.